Have you ever asked yourself where you would like to be in five years? This is a, a practice that sometimes married couples do together. My wife and I um, have done this a few times in our marriage, and it's always kind of fun to kind of dream and um, set some goals out there. Uh, we haven't done it for about 12 years because we're actually living that out. Um, we did this quite a while ago, and part of that five-year where we would see ourselves, we're, we're living that. Um, going to, to finish um, education and study and sharpen our skills for ministry and get planted in a church and be serving and um, to live in Florida. That was one of those things. We were living in Illinois. I'm like, man, in five years, we'd love to be living in Florida. And, and so we haven't, we haven't done that in a while because we feel like we're living it right now. And I guess it's kind of easier to do this kind of things when we aren't as content in life. And um, it's easier to dream about where we might want to be in five years. But um, it's, it's a good practice. And I think that we should do this more. Have you ever just sat back and really asked yourself, where do I want to be in five years? Five years from now, what would my life look like? Where would I want to be in life? You can accomplish a lot in five years. So I just kind of went through and made a list of some things that, that you could do in five years. You could learn a new language. Any of us could do that. And it's so easy now with all the technology we have and uh, the different apps out there and different things. We could learn a new language. You could get a degree. And, and maybe it wouldn't be your first degree, but it'd be a different type of degree. You could actually change careers. You could do this at any age. You can you can accomplish this in five years. It took me five years to get my degree. Um, some could probably do it in four, but it took me one extra year. Um, you could save for and take that, that dream vacation. You could accomplish that. You could learn a new skill or, or um, start doing a new hobby. You know, take a cooking class, take a dancing class, a gardening class or anything, and, and do a new hobby. I have this goal of, of starting a new hobby in my life, and I'm slowly building and getting there. I, I'm a little afraid to say it right now because it's, it's so far out there, but I'm working on that. Um, <clears throat> create a healthier lifestyle. Of course, that is what we're all trying to do, right? Um, you could read more. Actually, I, I figured um, you could actually read 60 books in five years. That's one book a month. That's very doable even if you're a slow reader. Now, I know statistics say that most adults haven't read a book since high school. I hope that's none of you. I know it's some of you, though. <laughs> but, yeah, you, can, you could read up to 60 books. And, and I've actually heard that if you read five books on one subject, you nor, know more about that than most people on planet Earth. And so you become an expert in whatever that may be. You could train and run a marathon. I don't know why you would want to, but you could do that. Um, it's, it's possible to accomplish that. Learn to play a musical instrument. Um, and there's spiritual things, too. Go on a mission trip. It's very doable to, to accomplish that within five years. You could decide to mentor someone and to disciple someone and really pour into a, a young Christian's life and help them grow and develop.
develop into a mature Christian. Um, you know, you could read through the Bible from front to back. And I know there's a lot of plans out there to do that in a year, and we kind of talked about reading the Bible last week, but I mean, you can do that definitely in five years, and um, it's very doable. Um, here's one that I thought of that I don't want any of you to put on your list, but I know you're all thinking it. In five years, you'd like to move away from Kissimmee and all this traffic. I know that's a goal for people. I know people have done that. Don't put that on your list, though. We don't want you to go anywhere. I always kind of kid, but partial truth, when someone tells me they're moving um, away from Kissimmee, I say, don't move so far you can't come to church. And um, because that happens a lot. But, um, you know, this is a healthy exercise to, to kind of look at your life down the road and, and set some goals and, and decide where you want to, want to be. If you don't do that, it's like you just decide that you're just going to let life happen. And whatever happens, happens. And a lot of times that doesn't um, go very well. This is kind of the whole concept behind this sermon series, hashtag goals. Need to be mindful of these goals in our life, and not just our everyday life, but in our spiritual life, in our Christian life. And so we are looking at three specific goals that will help us as Christians. Things we should be striving for to be active and productive within the kingdom of God. Last week we looked at um, the goal was to grow more, and, and we kind of narrowed that down to grow more in our knowledge of God and of Jesus. This week, our goal is to give more. Giving is a huge part of the Christian life. It's a normal part of the Christian life. It's a critical part of the Christian life. It's something that every Christian should be doing, and it's something that we all should be doing well. We should be exceeding in this, but but a lot of times we need the challenge to, to give more. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about money. Jesus taught just about more on money than he did on anything else. He, he talked about it in his parables. He taught about it in his sermons. He talked about it in everyday conversations with people. He taught, actually, in the Sermon on the Mount that your heart will begin to follow the things you treasure most. And, and a lot of times... The case is we treasure money and possessions most, and so we are at a danger for our heart to begin following those things and following money and following possessions. We need to be careful of how we handle our money, how we think about our money, and what we do with it. He taught that money could easily become an idol for us, and that we actually begin worshiping money instead of God. So we, we really got to be mindful of that. Money can become number one in our life. The, the Apostle Paul talks about money throughout a lot of his letters that he wrote, the early Christians. He's instructing them how to give, what it looks like to be a generous person what that looks like in the life of a Christian. Now, I want to say this before we go any farther. I want, I want you to know that, that talking about money in church and teaching about money in church and, 
and in trying to inspire you to give more is more about your discipleship than anything else. It's more about your development as a Christian than anything else. It's a critical part of the Christian life. And like I said, we all should be doing it well. And so as we begin to look at the goal of giving more, let's look at what the Apostle Paul wrote the church in Corinth. He wrote the church in Corinth two different letters. It's the Bible books, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians today. And, and he spent some time talking about giving in chapters 8 and 9. And so we're going to look at a couple different blocks of Scripture in there. And, and I'm going to narrow that down even more. But you can read that on your own. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 if you want to read that later this week. But in this section of the letter, Paul begins by telling the church in Corinth about the churches in Macedonia. The churches, these are churches that Paul had started on his missionary travels. And at this particular time, they were suffering. He doesn't tell us what they were suffering from, but he tells us they're experiencing troubles and they're being tested. Now, this could mean a lot of different things. It could be persecution. Persecution was common in the first century. Christians really suffered because of that. Maybe the churches were having other issues, leadership issues, um, people, relationship issues within the churches. Maybe there um, is like an illness, just like wiping people out. Um, he doesn't really say, but he does say that they're being tested greatly. He also points out that these churches were very poor. Very poor. They didn't have very much. But these two things didn't keep them down. In spite of their troubles, in spite of their suffering, in spite of their lack of wealth, it says they were filled with joy. And Paul says abundant joy. They were extremely happy people and joyful because of what God has done with them. And that joy was the catalyst that caused them to be generous. This joy caused them to want to give more than what they could afford. Paul says they didn't give out of their wealth. They gave out of nothing. They did this because they wanted to, not because anyone told them to. Paul tells the Corinthian church this to encourage them to try to inspire them to be like the churches in Macedonia, to, to give this way. You see, the church in Corinth had evidently, they, they have talked about giving before. They were... Um, eager to give at one point, but it, a lot of time has passed, maybe a year has passed even, and, and Paul's wondering if that commitment, if that eagerness had, had kind of settled down and slacked off, and so he urges them to continue what they, uh, continue to finish what they had started. And so this is, this is where we're going to pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10. Verse 10 through 14, this is what he says. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean you're 
giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they may have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. There are so many good giving principles in these short verses. Here are just a few. The first is to follow your commitments. If you say you're going to do something, do it, even with your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Take account for what you have and what you bring in. And then give accordingly. Give what you are able to give. And then he says, give it eagerly. This is something we should want to do. We should be eager to give and to help those in need. And then this, give now while you can. Because there may be a day when you can't. (laughs) You may need the help later on. I have a friend, he was always willing to give money to panhandlers. And, and he said, you know, I do this because one day I might be on the street and I need someone to give me something. Give now while you can because there may be a day when, when you have needs. So we have all these giving principles starting to come up in this, these verses in, in Second Corinthians. And then the, the story goes on. We're going to pick up in chapter 9. Chapter 9, verses 6 through 12, it says this. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Again, we see a lot of good giving principles rise up in just a few short verses. The principle of sowing and reaping, um, we're all familiar with that. The more you sow, the more you reap. Give cheerfully. Before he's talking about give eagerly, but he's also saying give cheerfully. God's generosity is, is what enables us to be generous. We see that principle rise up in these verses. A couple other things. God will bless us in many ways beyond anything we can imagine. He will begin to bless us. And, and sometimes that may show up in financial ways. Other ways it may show up in and peace in your life, and peace in your finances, and joy, many different blessings. And then finally, our gifts will accomplish way more than we may ever know. What you give, God will do in amazing ways further than what we could ever imagine. Now, there; these are just two quick glimpses at some of the verses 
in 2 Corinthians about giving. The Bible is full of these principles about giving and what that looks like for people who live within the kingdom, what that looks like for Christians. There's so much teaching and giving throughout the Bible. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Now, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time just digging in and exegeting these verses for you. I want to get to some more practical application and how we can reach this goal. What does this look like for us? If we are going to reach this goal to give more, we need to look at the two keys that I introduced last week. Do you remember those keys? Intentional and incremental. And so now we're going to begin to look at how we can do that in order to give more. We know God wants us to be generous with our money. We know that giving is a discipleship issue. Giving is a critical part of the Christian life, and we should be doing it well. We know that God will bless us in many ways. And so how do we begin to flesh this out in real life? The goal is to give more. So let's look at these two keys and kind of break that down in a practical way. Let's, let's first look at intentional. How can we be intentional with our giving? Well, the very first thing we, we must do is pray about it. We need to, to ask God what he might be leading us to do with our money, how he might be leading us and guiding us to give it. And he does do this. He will prompt you. He will impress upon your heart what he wants you to do. Right out of high school, I went one year to Bible college. I went to Ozark Christian College. It didn't work out. Um, College wasn't for me. College isn't for every 18-year-old. That was the case for me. Um, I did meet my wife Marla there, so it wasn't a waste of time. (laughs) I I did come away with a takeaway at college. Um, it was common then at, at that school that on Sunday evenings they did not serve a meal in the cafeteria. And so each and every week I made sure I had a few extra bucks so I could eat dinner on Sunday. And um, it didn't take a whole lot. Um, the dollar menus were around. CC's Pizza was around. And as an 18-year-old college student, that was perfectly fine. One Sunday morning in particular... Um, we were sitting in a church service, and um, the offering was being passed, and I felt inspired to give. And I reached in my wallet, and I looked, and I only had five bucks. But I was inspired to give. <laughs> but I knew I wanted to eat dinner that night. But God was impressing on me to give. But I only had five bucks. I mean, God wouldn't want me to go without a meal, would he? Right? And this went on for a while. And I really kind of struggled with it until the plate got in front of me and I had to eat. So I kept the money. Well, God taught me a lesson. That night, dinner came around and dinner was provided for me. And I didn't have to use that money and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Show how God provides for us. He calls us to give and then He will provide what we need. 
Yeah, I I did. I, I kept the money. The point, though, is that, that God will guide you and prompt you to give. Pray about it. And listen to what He wants you to do. And then don't be an idiot like I was. And hang on to that money. Freely give it. Eagerly give it. Cheerfully give it. This isn't the only way that, that God will guide you and prompt you to, to do something. I've also experienced another way. Um, my wife and I, we talk about our finances. We talk about what we give and where that money goes. And when a need comes up, when a special project at church or a special offering at church or a mission initiative or maybe even a mission that we become aware of um, outside of the church, uh, we, we will feel an urge to give and to support that. And so what we typically do is we take some time to pray about that individually. And so I'll, I'll pray about it, and then Marla will pray about it. And a week or so will go by, and we'll come together again to talk about that. And, and typically the way it goes is Marla goes, well, what, what did you think? What did you feel like God is leading you to do? And I'll say a number, and she'll say immediately, that's the number that I got to. And, and this is God guiding you and prompting you to give. And so the first thing we've got to do to be intentional is pray about what we give. Next, we've got to make it a priority. We can't just expect to become generous by chance. It's not going to happen. The natural progression of thing is to hang on to what we have and to keep it for ourselves. We can't expect to be a giver that God wants us to be just by chance. And so we have to make it a priority. You can't just say that you will be generous when you have more money. That's not how it works. Being generous isn't just for those who have money. I mean, remember the example Paul set before the church in Corinth. The, the churches in Macedonians, they had nothing, but they were generous. They became the example. You may remember Jesus watching the offering being um, given at the temple and the people giving their offerings at the temple and he sees this little old widow give two coins and he says she gave more than anybody else she was probably the poorest person there today but she gave more than everybody else and she gave all she had she becomes the example and so you can't just say well I'll be generous or I'll give when I have money no being generous and being the giver that God wants you to be happens here and now if you aren't generous now, chances are you're not going to be generous when you have more money. If you aren't giving now, you're not going to be a giver when you have more money. Being generous and, and, and a faithful giver isn't just going to happen. It's not something that we put off until our debts are paid. It's not something we put off until we have our life all together and figured out. It's not something we put off until we get that big fat raise. No, it's being generous and, and faithful giving is for here and now. Wherever you are, whatever circumstances you are in, you can be generous. You can be a faithful giver. It's something that we decide to do. It's something that we make a priority in our life. And so that's how you be intentional about it. You pray about it, 
then you make it a priority. But then you also do it first. This is another intentional step. Set it aside first before you pay all your other bills. Don't wait till the end and, and give out of whatever's left. You can't be generous. You can't be a faithful giver out of what's left because typically there's not much left. And so set it aside first. That's how you be intentional about it. So the second key is incremental. This is the good part because, because God is patient with us. We don't have to go from zero to 60 in five seconds. We can do it incrementally. Whenever we talk about giving, the question of tithing comes up. You see in the Old Testament, God required his people to tithe. What that means is they, they had to give 10% of everything they made and everything they owned. 10%. That's what a tithe is. 10% of their income was given to God. 10% of their crops, 10% of their livestock, 10% of whatever else. That was their offering to God. Now, this teaching isn't directly taught in the New Testament. The teaching in the New Testament focuses more on generosity. And you hear things like we read this morning in 2 Corinthians. So what does God require from his people today? What does he require from us? Well, it's difficult to put this in, in the term of a percentage. I would say 10% would be the minimum. When we begin talking about generosity and the way it's taught in the New Testament, 10% is really nothing. 10% is a good starting point for us when we're thinking about percentages and when we're trying to be intentional. But 10% is not the end-all, be-all. The, the generosity taught in the New Testament goes beyond this, way beyond this. And if we give this way, if we give generously the way the New Testament teaches, percentages aren't going to matter. We're not even going to think about it. We would probably find that we are giving way more than 10%. The truth is, most of us are not giving this way. It's difficult to give this way. And that's why we need to do it incrementally. There are many things fighting against us to give. Maybe you find yourself in a financial crisis today. Maybe you really struggle paying all your bills each month. Maybe you bought too much house and you're driving too much car and you've extended yourself as far as you can. Maybe you like to swipe that credit card but you can only make the minimum payment. So the debt is just growing out of control. This is this is the way people live. I know it. I know it is. It's difficult. Maybe you're unemployed right now and there's just not income coming into the household. Maybe you're a, a family and you have kids. You're just trying to get them through school and through life and they all have crooked teeth and <laughs> maybe they're teenagers and they're all driving and your insurance poor. Trust me, I get it. <laughs> I'm living that myself. Maybe you find yourself on a very limited income. You're retired and you've saved all your life to be able to live and, and not have to work any longer, but it's very limited. And you're, you're 
expenses for doctor visits are going up and your expenses on prescriptions just keep going up. There's so many reasons not to give that you might be surprised at what you're missing out on by not giving. You're missing out on these blessings from God. Not necessarily a financial gain, but, but peace in your life and joy in your life and knowing that, that God is pleased with you and that He's accepted your offerings. Maybe you get a boost in faith. Your faith is built because you begin to see how God is providing for your needs and it, it builds your faith and your trust in Him. And yeah, maybe there will be times when there is a financial gain, maybe an unexpected check for just the right amount at just the right time shows up and you're able to meet that need. These things happen when we give generously and we give the way the New Testament teaches. Now remember, we're talking about incremental change. And so let's use a percentage as our guide. The first thing to do is to find out what percentage you're giving right now. Calculate that. You know what you give. If you need help, if you give by check or use the offerings here at the church, you can get a giving statement from the office. and You can see how much you gave to the church in the, in the past year. Figure that out percentage-wise to what your income was. Is it 1%, 2%, 3%? The goal is to give more and so do it incrementally. Maybe add a percent or two onto it this year. Or, or, or five or six months go by and you say, okay, God's providing, let's, let's stretch this a little more. And you add another 2%. And maybe you are already given 10%, but, but maybe you've given 10% your whole life and you have the ability to give 12 or 14. What's stopping you from doing that? That's what the generosity in the New Testament teaches us. Give to the, in proportion to what you have. Now imagine the blessing it would be for this church if we all decided to give more this year. Imagine the difference a couple percentage points would make in the life of this church. Imagine over the course of the years if we all began to give incrementally, growing that, expanding that. We could do so much more ministry and outreach in the community. We could provide so much more. We could get out of debt as a church. And, and we can do this. I know we can. It's very possible. It's very doable. Be intentional about your giving and then be incremental in making it grow. Now, let me wrap things up for you by bragging on you a little bit and then by giving you a challenge. First, the bragging. This church is a generous church. I've seen it time and time again. You uh, people are generous people. Anytime we have a need, anytime we have a project, anytime there is a ministry outreach or, or a, a ministry project we want the church to get behind, you guys step up big and you always provide. When we, run, when we fundraised for the youth to go on their trips, you guys are generous and you guys do so well. Thank you so much for being generous in that way. It, it, is, it is so good to be a part of a church 
um, that is this way. I brag about you to other people. When people ask about the church, I'm like, oh, it's a great church. There's a lot of great people. They're generous people. They always get behind what we're doing. So thank you. You guys are doing great. Keep doing that. Keep doing that. That's the bragging part. Now comes the challenge. The challenge is to give more week in and week out. That regular, faithful giving. That's where we struggle. And you guys see it on the report and the bulletin. You see the weekly need and you see the weekly offering. A lot of times those don't match up. This is where the goal to give more will make the biggest impact. Keep doing what you're doing with the with the generosity of the projects and the, the ministry efforts and, and supporting our youth. Keep doing that. But pray about what God may be doing to lead you in your faithful weekly giving. Make it a priority. Set it aside first. And then begin increasing it over time. If we do this, we will be amazed at what God does in our personal life and in the life of this church. It will blow us away. Hashtag goals. May we give more this year than we've ever given in the past. Be intentional about it. And then grow it incrementally over time. Give more. Let's stand.